Welcome to episode five of the VR Side Chats podcast. This week I chat with 360 filmmaker, YouTuber and educator, Kevin Coombs. Kevin, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. So yeah, can you just tell us a bit about your background and how you got into 360 video? Sure, sure. So um, before getting into 360, uh, I was a very freelancer. Mm-hmm. Um, I've previously done a feature-length film uh, called Mobilize. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that, we interview people like Gavin Newsom, Steve Wozniak, Steve Aoki, mm-hmm. a lot of different folks. Um, we actually have distribution with it, so it's available on Amazon and Vimeo. We premiered at the Castro Theater in San Francisco. It was a great reception. I thought, like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue making feature length documentary films. And then my friend introduced me to YouTube 360 um, one day in the summer. I want to say of 2015. He showed me on his mobile phone how you can move around and see the 360 video. And then he said, and look, it was shot on this on this camera. And the camera was like only three hundred dollars. So I immediately on my cell phone opened up Amazon and and bought it (laughs) and I started to do a daily video even though it was like potato quality it was the Theta M15 for those who know their cameras Mm -hmm. and it just like you know I I learned a lot using that super super cheap camera Um, and through that process of doing a daily video I started to get like a lot of interest from other people who weren't aware this was a thing. Um, I also started to notice that the platforms were opening up to 360. Like when I started, YouTube was the only place you can upload your stuff. Um, then Facebook started to allow people and then Twitter and then Vimeo said, Hey, if you upload your stuff on here and you, you know, want to charge $10 for your 360 VR movie, you'll actually take home nine of those $10. So it made me say, Hey, you know, this is really the new medium, um, and clearly when you have all these other uh, big tech players in the game, it, it speaks to that. Hmm. Through my YouTube process, I learned a lot because, you know, you get a lot of feedback on there with comments. It's hmm. unlike Netflix or like showing a movie in a big theater, it's a two-way conversation. So people write back and they say, hey, Kevin, like, we love that shot you did, but that camera's totally potato quality. You, you got to upgrade. So I remember upgrading to the Theta S immediately the day it came out, bought, I think, two of them. Because so I was like, oh, in case one breaks down, I'll have a backup. Mm. Um, I jumped in on the Kodaks, too, when I saw that was even higher resolution. You can get 4K res out of it. Um, the challenge with that, though, became all of a sudden this issue of stitching. Yeah. So instead of using Theta's easy-peasy software that does the stitching for you, all of a sudden I was like, oh, I have to learn stitching software. So it's kind of like each one of these progressions that I've made through comments and feedback has led me to learn more and more. And it's sort of like one of those things where the more that you learn, the more you want to give back and teach other people. Um, So I've tried to promote a lot more education on my YouTube channel as well as just kind of fun events, fun new tech that I see at conventions and conferences and just interesting people I meet along the way picking their brain. Hmm. So like going forward are you you planning to just keep on with the with the vlogging or are you looking to do like more projects maybe like you know documentaries like your sort of previous work but in 360 i'm definitely interested in doing feature length 360 vr work which a lot of people are like 
who wants to spend an hour and a headset or an hour and a half? And I think it's as the headsets get more and more comfortable. Yeah. Um, like the Oculus Go is made from some of the best material on the market right now. More and more people will want to spend time in there. But it's also a factor of these platforms allowing people to do local downloading. Mm. Like right now, um, you know, I was talking with these folks who have a, a million dollar TV series at Hulu um, called, uh, you know, Door Number One. And this showed at BRLA. It was very good, very interesting. It's like you're at someone's um, homecoming party or your 10-year reunion. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of choose your own adventure, like where you want to go. But the challenge that the engineers and the people behind the scenes were telling me is that Hulu on their app doesn't allow you to download the VR locally. So they pretty much like had to beg Hulu to do this. And they had to create their own standalone uh, app and way to do that. So they can do playback at VRLA where you have 5,000 people there trying to, you know, connect to the mobile network and they don't have interference. So YouTube still hasn't adopted this. Facebook hasn't adopted this. I believe the only platform that's adopted this is actually Vimeo. Hmm. Um, so that's a huge obstacle, I think, for people who do want to do longer format 360. Um, in the experience that I've had with my company where we do a lot more, um, you know, big brand stuff and sports, like we film um, the 49ers in the past with Colin okay. Kaepernick. Awesome. And, you know, those are three hour games. So, you know, technically we could edit like together a 360 piece of that game, but it, it wouldn't be especially interesting, especially because our access was only on the sidelines mm. um, and, you know, them running out in the beginning. So those pieces ultimately ended up better as like two minute bits rather than, you know, a 20 minute thing. But I think if you shoot it properly, then you really could sustain that attention in 360. I've seen a lot of this at Sundance, these really, really well put together animated pieces. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't really seen anything in live action that has kept my attention that long. I still need to see uh, Mayubi, the one that was done by uh, yeah. Felix Paul that's like 40 minutes long with Jeff Goldblum. Um, I plan to watch that soon, but it's one of those things that uh, it almost works better as episodic, yeah, you know, yeah. series in VR. And having said that, Jeff Goldblum alone is is worth 40 minutes in a headset. Mm -hmm. the, he is the coolest and the way, guy. And the, way the story, they actually have a story with that where it's like these two little kids have this robot and Jeff Goldblum's like the inventor of the robot and I've heard that it's very, very uh, interesting, and they had like a, a cooling mechanism, I think, with the headset where it was like even though people were watching that for like 40 minutes, the headset didn't like heat up or get sweaty. Wow. So I, I'm interested to, to give that a go um, on the Oculus Go, no pun intended there. <laughs> um, but uh, it's one of those things that I need to really set aside 40 minutes to watch that, and it's yeah, hard yeah. when there's so much um, amazing television that's out right now and yeah. movies. like talking about Deadpool and even uh, I saw that you posted about um, Evil Genius which I, I loved watching oh, on Netflix um, that was that yeah, was so incredible I literally I literally watched the whole series last night that was it was yeah as soon as the first one went on us but the thing is I didn't realize what it was about um, yeah and then seeing seeing that guy with with the the bomb around his neck it's like oh my god I remember seeing this on the news like years ago um, totally totally and, yeah, and as more crazy. networks, as more news networks adopt 360 as like their go-to, because for that sort of an event where it's like, holy crap, we got this guy with a bomb strapped to his head, mm. having a 360 camera there, it's like puts you a lot more in that moment. 
But right now it's sort of like this weird in between zone where New York Times is all about 360. But initially it was like they were only uh, shooting on the Samsung cameras, Mm. which is kind of like, you know, those are those are good 360 cameras for consumers, but not really professional usage. So, you know, seeing them adopt to things like the Z cam was like a big step in the right direction for journalism with 360. But it's hard. Um, even on CNN, I, I check that as one of my main news sources, and I click on their VR thing almost every other day, and they still have the same story up from like weeks ago. Mm. So they're not really adopting this daily usage, which I prescribe to, and that, which I I think really works and brings a lot more viewers in. Mm. Um, I think eventually they will, but uh, you know, it's a matter of them adopting these sort of things. It was really weird. Like at Sundance, I was at a talk the New York Times was hosting with Kevin Smith and Will I Am, who I previously worked with on an AR project with Meta. Yeah. And I was filming it in 360, and they were like, "Oh, no filming in here." And I'm like, "Okay, whatever." Um, Will I Am had a, a VR piece that was showing at Sundance, and they asked him a lot about this. And Kevin Smith also elaborated on this. And I just thought it was so weird that the New York Times, which is like such a big pioneer in the field, like giving everyone these Google cardboards. Mm. Um, wasn't filming it in 360. You know, they had like three or four camera operators. They had like a person operating a switchboard. And just from a financial perspective, I was like, man, this would be way better if they just had, you know, one 360 camera right up there or two. And like, you know, you wouldn't need all these extra people. And especially it felt like it, it fit better with what they were conversing about too, which was the medium. Yeah, yeah. And I, I even asked Kevin Smith at that uh, Q&A, I raised my hand and, you know, the guy called on me. I said, you know, would you ever do a VR thing? And Kevin Smith was like, you know, I shouldn't say this. It's probably going to fall apart. This is the first time I'm announcing it, but we're doing a, a Jane Silent Bob VR. It was like, oh, my goodness, that's amazing news. But it's something that, like, a person in the audience asked, not, like, the panelist yeah. on this. You know, <laughs> so it's like. That is, I didn't even know that. That is amazing. Old age mentality, I think it's because they're. Yeah, it's like a lot of older people working there still, and they give them a 360 camera and say, hey, write an article, but in addition, get a couple shots with this. Mm. And it doesn't really work that way. It's like, you you know, you need to spend time learning it and what, what works in that medium. Yeah. Um, through my process of vlogging, you know, we've shot over 500 360 videos, and I think that gives me an edge on a lot of other bigger companies because we just yeah. have vastly more experience whether or not it's with the higher end camera or not we know what works in this medium mm. absolutely so on on the subjects of uh journalism and reporting you're a reporter for 360 today how did that come yeah. about so yeah um this company 360 today approached me um they saw i was doing the daily 360s and said hey we've noticed you started to do live 360 as well which i've been using the insta 360 one mm-hmm. it's my favorite camera right now um might be obsolete in a couple months but um <laughs> but basically um they approached me and said we would love to pay you to do um a live 360 video on facebook and the benefits of doing it on facebook versus youtube in our age of demonetization which is the process by which YouTube says, oh, you swore in that video or, oh, you had alcohol or something that was controversial. Mm-hmm. We're going to actually reduce the revenue you can get um, because advertisers might find it controversial. Mm-hmm. So um, on the other hand, with 360 Today, they're like, please feel free to swear. 
consume alcohol, do whatever you'd please. <laughs> and it, it creates this uh, nice freedom again where I'm like, I'm not so worried because when I first started doing YouTube, that demonetization thing was not was not an issue at all. It was mm. never there. Um, nowadays, whenever I'm posting anything to YouTube and I swear, I cover it up with like a bicycle ring. So I have to have like a little bell noise. And it takes this extra amount of time to edit these videos and to stitch them together. As you know, it's a long process. Yeah. Um, when you do a live 360, all of a sudden the post work gets thrown out the window. And for me, it's like, Oh, this makes so much sense, um, especially for like something like an unboxing video where it's like, I don't really want to edit together a video of this or like something that's just really timely. Like when the YouTube shooting happened, I was like, I need to do this live because, you know, it feels more authentic. Yeah. Um, and it just it's it's more in the moment. And I just don't have time to be able to do the edit today because there's all this other stuff going on. But I want to. I want to provide my commentary on it because I had a meeting there a year previous and I was afraid for those people who are in there and it was all about demonetization why she she did that attack actually. Um, so, you know, it was an interesting subject but it was something that I think when you do, it's kind of like one of the reasons I feel like VR is popping is because it feels like you're in the moment. Um, according to the studies done, it's like you have muscle memory, you physically feel like you're there. Um, so people retain that more in the same way. I think people also retain live video more than they do a standard broadcast that's edited because they feel like, you know, in our age of mass media sophistication, we understand when we're being manipulated, even with an edit, you know? So yeah. I think when people see live, they realize it's really there. It's really happening. Like that guy really had a thing attached around his neck. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when you see live 360, it's like that double wow factor. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of like why I've kind of branched into it a bit more over the past, um, you know, six months. Um, I also feel like it's added a challenge for me as someone who's done like videos in 360 every day for about three years. Um, doing a live one adds this extra challenge of like you have to, you know, keep uh, a tempo a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. You don't have the ability to fix it in post. So you really need to like kind of plan in advance what's going to happen um, a lot more strategically. And um, you also need to think about your connectivity to the mobile network or if you're in a Wi-Fi area. And a lot of times that means you can't film conferences because it's just too too overblown. Um, or you set up your own Wi-Fi network, which is a little bit too cumbersome. <laughs> um but it's kind of like you, you really need to choose your, your, your battles with it. Um, and for me, I, I've learned a lot through the process of just doing that, as well as, you know, we reach a much uh, wider syndication on our Facebook uh, page. Um, 360 a day currently has um, 320,000 followers um, internationally. Um, and in comparison, my YouTube channel has like, you know, under 5,000. So it's kind of like one of those things. But again, I feel like, you know, there's a question of engagement. There's a question of yeah. who are those 5,000 people that are following me on YouTube? If one of those 5,000 people happens to be Ben Claremont, my good friend who does 360 today, and he reaches 20,000, then who's really influencing a larger market here? Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's kind of like that proliferation effect. Yeah, yeah. So... When you're when you're doing a live broadcast on 360 today with 
you know, that kind of following, do you not get like a bit nervous about, you know, what you're uh, streaming that day? Like you think, oh, yeah. this, this better oh, be good. To totally, <laughs> totally, yeah. I clean up my apartment like vigorously. <laughs> Um, you know, I, it's one of these things that like, it's, it's a lot better to do it with somebody else on camera. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's kind of like, if you have a moment that like, you're kind of like caught up in thought, yeah, they yeah. can kind of jump in jump and take in. over. Yeah. Um, it's tricky though. Like I found a lot of people are a lot like, you know, you bust out a VR camera and some people are a little squeamish and like, Whoa, what is that thing? You know? Mm. Um, when you tell people, Hey, I'm about to live stream in 360, you get kind of this other effect of like, Oh no, you know, it, it's one of those things that, yeah, people are, are afraid of like messing up and especially in our age of, you know, uh, political correctness. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I definitely think about it. Um, but ultimately it's one of these things that if you know, you kind of plan ahead what you want to talk about and you try and hit those key points. Um, and I just try not to keep it too long winded. Like sometimes the videos go for 15 minutes. Sometimes they go for, uh, under three minutes. Um, and often I find if you do post something like we film panels sometimes at Google and different places and, uh, you know, those panels might be an hour and a half. And I find that those get less views on YouTube than you'd think, mm -hmm. you know, you think like, Oh, you put out more material. People are going to spend more time watching it. It's actually better to do smaller bits. Yeah. So, um, you know, something that, that uh, I've sort of picked up on, just because there are so many moments of lulls, even in these panels, where it's just like, all right, we're going to bring out the next speaker. Let's connect in this laptop. And it's like you compare those uh, conferences and those sort of, uh, you know, after-hour events to a live broadcast like, you know, um, John Oliver um, last week tonight and it's like that is so orchestrated that's such a, a well-oiled machine in comparison with like these events that are you know i don't want to say half-assed but kind of like put together like very like last minute and you don't have multiple projectors you're not you're not going to a big audience like he is yeah um uh, i always just think in my head though like i'm i'm only you know screening to my mom and my dad you know <laughs> Those <are the> only <laughs> watching this right now. that's that's how i feel about this podcast yeah, that is, well, yeah. It, it grows though. That's the cool thing. It's like you're slowly, if you continue to do these podcasts, yeah, you're gonna yeah. see it proliferate because people recognize other people and they want to tune in. So, like, I got interested in your broadcast because I saw, oh, Alex and Hugh did it, and I was like, oh, oh I know them quite well. I would love to, you know, be a part of this. Yeah. Um, so I think you know maybe next week you'll have on some other people who are like, oh, I knew Kevin and I saw you did something with him. Yeah. So it's it slowly grows like that. Um, yeah, that's it, it's the beauty of uh, the internet and media nowadays. Absolutely, and I think not only that, but the the whole three hundred and sixty and VR thing is it's quite a nice little tight knit community as well. Mm -hmm. There's there's a lot of sort of groups of people that all know each other, and it's I it, I just I found it like since I've sort of you know been doing it and stuff, it's, it's been mm -hmm. quite cool that everyone is like genuinely interested in what everyone else is working on because you know it's yeah. it's, it's a, such it's a new a, thing yeah it's a it's a really new thing and it's a small world at the end of the day mm. you know um you know six billion people might sound like a lot but when you have people talking to millions every day on their twitter and their instagram like news spreads quick mm. um but yeah, it's one of these things that my one of my interests with doing my YouTubing has also been to try and introduce VR to people who 
aren't typically in the know on it or like might not be as interested in it as you might suspect. Mm-hmm. So like um, earlier this year, um, I got some FaceTime with the director, Brian Fogel, who did Icarus, mm-hmm. which won the Oscar um, for Best Documentary. And I asked him and his producer, hey, have you guys ever thought about even for like some of those bicycle shots, it can make it look a lot more stable, even if you use it as a standard video. And, and they, they really started to get interested when I started to like tell them the possibilities about what's out there with it. Mm. Um, so it'd be interesting to see like you plant these seeds in people's heads and, and you see where it goes. Um, I remember also talking with uh, Ang Lee and I said to Ang Lee, like this is uh, maybe three years back at NAB, National Association mm. of Broadcasters in Vegas. He was doing a panel with the president of Sony for a movie he shot in 120 frames in 3D, which um, is still in a, a huge technical achievement. Even James Cameron hasn't done that. It looked like the 3D was like truly 3D at like a next level than you know what you see in a standard movie theater nowadays because the higher frame rate. But I asked Ang Lee, I said, hey, you know, um, I, you're a huge innovator in 3D with Life of Pi and now this new movie would you ever consider doing a 360 3D movie? And he didn't know what 360 was. Ang Lee was like kind of stumped. And he turned to the president of Sony and he, he was like, he means VR. So I think a lot of it is terminology. It's kind of yeah. like, I try not to, um, I'm not sure if I mentioned this. I also teach college uh, film yes. classes yes. in virtual reality filmmaking. Um, I, I always try not to talk over um, people or my students, um, you know, at a higher level of, uh, technical lingo um so i always would like ask like do you guys know what i mean when i say ar or what i say when i mean mr you know like those sort of things Mm. and uh i think that that's also very helpful because like you know again he if i asked him that not in front of a panel with hundreds of people he might have just blown it off like oh yeah i'll do a 360 thing one day but now all of a sudden there, there are all these people so he actually like articulated it quite well where he was like um, you know, I like my reality better than the virtual reality, uh, which I thought was a funny statement, but then he kind of like re-answered and was like, but you know, if I'm able to control sort of the camera movements a bit more and like have a greater control over where people are looking and where their gaze is. And I was like, yeah, well you could do that right now, dude. Like it's all heat mapping. You can literally do like a, a test study with a group of people in VR and you can see if you're hitting your marks as a director. Is everyone looking in the right direction or are they looking somewhere else? Um, 2-Bit Circus does this as well where you can sync up all these mobile phones, uh, you know, headsets and be able to watch playback. And so if you see, like, a bunch of people looking in the wrong direction, you know, like, okay, we need to re-edit this or we need to add a sound effect here that will make people turn and look yeah. that way. Yeah, I think I think audio is key in that. Mm-hmm. It's what tethers people to the experience now. When people can look around in any direction, all ADD, mm-hmm. audio is the only thing that keeps them centered. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very important. And it's it's one of these things even in video games where like if you're playing a game and you turn your back on a character, you notice a lot of times you don't hear what they're saying. Mm-hmm. It's because they want to keep your engagement looking at them because maybe something happens in the background, like a dragon flies into the frame and they don't want you to miss that. So going back to... You mentioned about teaching. Um, mm-hmm. So, yes, yeah, so you teach uh, 360 VR at the Academy of Arts University in San Francisco. Did I get that right? Yeah, that's correct. Oh, look at me with my research. 
Okay, <laughs> um, so yeah, so how did how did you get into that? Because to be honest, I was quite surprised that that uh, university teaches that. So Academy of Art has been very progressive and forward thinking with uh, their VR classes. Um, and it started around the same time as I started to get into the YouTubing. Uh, so they initially had the Theta cameras and they upgraded to the Kodaks. Now it's like Insta360 three, Pros or, or the next thing. But um, essentially, the um, class was started by James Egan and Alex Pierce. Um, James Egan's a producer in Hollywood, and Alex also has moved from the Bay Area down to L.A. as well. And Alex actually works at Jot now, which is pretty cool, uh, you know, big camera maker and big uh, camera producer. Um, but initially, uh, Alex asked me to come in to be a sub for him a couple times and to guest speak. And he kind of knew my background previous to this was uh, in teaching and that through my YouTube, I did like a lot of tutorials. I would teach people a lot about how the cameras work and, and tips for making shots work. And so he, he basically cued me in when he was leaving for jaunt. He was like, I want you to take over the class. You're the person I recommend for this. Um, so it was, it was very nice kind of like getting that passed down to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's something that I do is, you know, supplemental income, but it's something that I'm just a lot more passionate about, you know, seeing the next level of content creators coming on the market. Um, for instance, and it's also a good place to, to meet people who you might want to collaborate with. Um, like, for instance, uh, a good friend of mine, Brenton Cooper, um, he started out as uh, one of Alex's students, and um, I took him on as an apprentice for my production company. And uh, Alan, and and through the process, he ended up getting a gig because he got the experience shooting a Z cam with us. Um, and then he ended up shooting a project in Puerto Rico as a uh, camera assistant um, that just got into con, and it's got John Travolta in it, uh, and it's a VR piece. So it's amazing, like wow. you know, the people who like you kind of inspire go on to inspire much bigger folks out there. Uh, it's it's crazy. That is awesome. Yeah, well, I would highly recommend doing him too. He'd be a good interview for you guys because uh, he, he's so smart and and just on top of it. And he has some very funny anecdotes about John Travolta, which I will not say on this podcast. I'm, I but mean, he can. I mean, we'll make that happen. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So, so, do you do like any other like client work and stuff? Oh yeah, we work with like a lot of major brands. Um, you know, we I mentioned before the 49ers, who's also also been work with the San Jose Sharks, which is a hockey team. We do a lot of beta testing for the camera companies and promotional work for them, like if they need certain shots. Um, you know, all sorts of organizations. We've done something with F and Vodka, which is 50 cents uh, vodka label. Okay. Um, you know, so it, it's really about uh, reaching out to these bigger brands. Mm -hmm. But I also love doing work with nonprofits. Like we did a, a really amazing piece with Cat Town Cafe, which is essentially a coffee shop where you can also look at cats if you're interested to adopt a cat. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they've lowered the euthanasia rate of cats um, across the Bay Area significantly. Um, as a result, we said, hey, we'd love to do this video because they also made like a little town for the cats. It looks yeah. like Oakland. If you look around, so it's like perfect for 360. And uh, that video has over a million views now on YouTube. Say, yeah. And, and, you know, we shot it very uh, premature and amateurly. Like that first video is actually a test shoot. 
And then they said, oh, edit it together, put it up online anyway. And, um, you know, the stitching in it is really bad. Uh, I say this because I, I did the stitching. Um, I didn't really know what I was doing back then with it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I was using the Kodak software and not Mystica or Color. And you see these cats just walk in the matrix. But for some <laughs> reason, it really clicked with people. And, you know, we got retweeted by the right folks and it just proliferates. And that's kind of the beauty of viral videos and media nowadays. Not to say this was a viral video, but it certainly got people thinking like, ooh, pets in VR. And then like you see all of a sudden like a couple months later, people doing like the puppy bowl and all these other things. And, you know, um, that company Cutesy, by the way, opened the door for us with like a lot of adoption centers. We ended up getting flown down to L.A. to film with. Um, Wags and Walks, which is a really big one uh, in L.A. Tom Brady adopted a puppy from there, for instance, and George Lopez. Um, And also this um, really amazing one that's been around for ages, and now I can't remember the name of it, of course. Oh, God help me. Um, And another one in Oakland called Rocket Dog Rescue. All these these dog adoption center names. But um, the Cat Town video is interesting because it was the only one we shot with cats. And everyone seems to say they like puppies over cats. And yet, what one out on the internet and YouTube? Mm. The cats. The, the internet does love a cat video. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Nice. The, the, the stats don't lie. No, they don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, what advice would you give to someone that was looking into getting into 360 filmmaking? Um, well, if you're trying to direct dogs in 360, it works to have like little bits of kibble or dog treats. Um, and those, those also works with humans too. You know, you, you get good catering and things like that and it, it draws in people. Money is an even better incentive. Um, if you want to get big name actors, of course. Um, but just telling them that you're doing a project in VR might open some doors that you might not realize because a lot of people aren't aware of it and aren't aware how to do it. And you have the special knowledge now of something that a lot of people don't know. Um, also when directing cats in VR, always bring a laser pointer. Um, trying to think of other good. Um, I try not to shoot anything at night if I can. Um, night in 360 typically doesn't work so good because you don't have enough control points to form good stitching. Um, or if you do shoot it at night, try and light it very evenly and all around. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a that's such a hard question. It's very specific to what you're trying to shoot. Mm. If you if you have some shots that you need advice on. We do do consulting. Um, my website is just my name, kevincoons.com, and we do consulting for a very minimal fee, I think, compared to like a lot of other big uh, companies. We also charge a lot less for production work and editing work than a lot of other big 360 companies, which I feel might not have nearly as much experience. Um, so it's one of those things. Uh, if you're interested, you now know where to reach us. We're also very active on all the social networks like Instagram, Twitter, um, Facebook, of course. Uh, but the one that we don't do actually is Snapchat. Yeah. So I think don't try and find us on Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> Till they adopt 360. Once they adopt 360 in VR, yeah, then we'll that's be... That's it. All over it But it honestly felt like me for something like, why am I doing this? This isn't my medium. It gets erased every day. Yeah. It's it's weird. I, I could never really get into Snapchat, but then when Instagram started doing stories, I was I was kind of like, yeah, this is all right. Quite like this. <laughs> it's weird. It's very strange. Nice. Um, so, what's your favorite piece of VR content 
Um, this is a tricky one. I'll split it between two. I'll say or, or three. I'll say three really okay. quick. Um, recently I saw the Alien one, and oh, yeah. in terms of like an experience that you can go to, anyone in LA can go to this experience. Alien Descent, I think, is what it's called. Put on by Fox, Fox Next Studios, Fox VR Next, something weird like that. What I thought was cool about it is you can do it with four people, even though when you go into your section, you're only in twos, but you see the other people across the way. Mm-hmm. So you, you still interact with them, but you're not next to them, which I think is a smart safety thing. Um, in addition, you have a lot more space to walk around in than a typical thing like the Void Star Wars, where you have a lot less room to maneuver. Um, it, it was just really well put together. They did it with the Samsung, which I thought is not a very good headset, but the fidelity and the resolution actually look really good. Um, you also didn't have to put on a backpack. You just put on these shin guards and like mm-hmm. arm pads and that represent your arms and your hands. So that was pretty cool. Um, all the people we went in with said they liked it better than the Star Wars one, which I think wow. also spoke to it, uh, it being a cool experience and not just the IP. Um, definitely more adult themed because it's aliens. Don't take your kids. Um, or if your kids like scary stuff, take your kids. Um, in terms of more serious, I really like um, Inaritu's piece that he did called Carne Irina, which shows um, immigration through the perspective of people from uh, Mexico or Honduras, and they're walking through the desert into the U.S. following um, a coyote, and all of a sudden immigration police pop up. And when you go into this experience, you actually take your shoes off and you're walking in the environment barefoot. Um, beforehand, you're in a detention center like a room with actual um, water bottles and shoes that were found in the desert. So it's super hyper realistic, um, very emotional and like well done. Um, a little artistic, a little, a little artsy. If you're not into the artsy fartsy stuff, then maybe you wouldn't be a big fan of this. It's also tricky to get access to it because you need to pay for a museum pass. Yeah. It's showing yeah. at LACMA, which is um, LA's museum. Um, so that was kind of a, a pain for me, paying $60 to see like this 15-minute experience. Um, I didn't have any time that day to go to the museum. Otherwise, I would have done it. So if you do that, definitely plan it on a day you're going to go to the museum. Um, you might notice the trend. Both these experiences are in LA currently. Um <laughs> The third one is currently on the festival circuit. It doesn't have a permanent home yet. It's called Hero. And this piece brings you to Syria, and you actually experience um, civilian warfare, essentially. Um, And it's really well done. I don't want to say anything too much about it. It showed at Sundance, skipped over South By, and went to Tribeca. I don't know where it's going next. I think it will be at Cannes. But if you're in Europe, I highly recommend trying to check that out, wherever it shows in Europe next. Um, I hope it gets a permanent home in a museum in San Francisco or New York because I would definitely pay to see that one again. Um, it was a very long line to see that at Sundance, too. It was like a day and a half line. Wow. That's no exaggeration. <laughs> we came back, and it was like, no, you got to come back tomorrow. Um, yeah, but so, so well done. Um, in, the same, in the same realm as what the director did, Birdman did, with probably way less budget, um, and just like very interesting. I, I can't can't speak too much on it because I don't want to ruin the surprises. Um, all of these pieces have surprises in them, which is also a nice element. They have a story, an A, B, C story, but they have a story that anyone can follow, yet you can walk in the experience. So it's not really a 360 thing anymore. It's more of like a VR 
sixed off experience. And that's also something that I'm, I'm trying to do in the future. The first daily sixed off video. We'll see if I get there. Um, <laughs> maybe it's something it. I'm interested in, but it's also like that takes a lot of computing power and money yeah, yeah. and time, money and computing power. Anyway, I really appreciate Thanks. you uh, having me on the podcast and, uh, I appreciate you, know, you coming on. Thank you again. And, uh, yeah, let me know if you have any follow-up questions via email. Yeah, we'll do. Uh, so where can people find you? Oh, yeah, you can find me at uh, is the best place to email contact me for business. If you want to follow my behind-the-scenes when I'm filming 360 videos, Instagram and Twitter are the best places for that. Facebook, um, 360 Today is where you can find my live 360 videos. Um and I have a, a page, Kevin Coons, on there, too, where you can see just stuff that gets posted from Instagram over. Um, and, of course, YouTube. YouTube is where I have all my 360 content, over 500 videos that you can go back and see what I'm talking about when, in the context of this podcast. Awesome. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks again, and have a great day. And you. Take care. Big thanks to Kevin for taking the time to come on the podcast. Links to everything mentioned will be in the show notes so you can check out his stuff. Remember, if you're an independent 360 or VR creator and want to come and chat about your work on the podcast, drop me an email at vrsidechats at gmail.com. You can also follow at vrsidechats on Facebook and Twitter. And on the off chance you're interested in what I'm up to, I'm on all the main social medias under at Daniel K. Hatton. And don't forget... Check out my 360 stuff on Veer as well. So thanks again for listening, and I shall see you all next week.